We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks oh. Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Dwayne Washington Jr., and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Setting the Pace, and it is official. Indiana Pacers basketball is back, and joining me to talk about Media Day is the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how's it going, brother? Oh, it's going great. Media Day is upon us. I can't tell if it's babes cooking or you could smell Pacer basketball right around the corner, but today it really felt real we saw the guys you know back giving giving quotes i mean media day wasn't you know in person like the old days but at the same point we'll take it alex it always feels good to see the new players acquired in the pacers uniform for the first time with the team and just good to see everybody back good to hear from all the players because we really don't get an opportunity to hear from every single player like we do at media day throughout the season you know you get The normal guys that get interviewed or a handful of guys that get interviewed, but this opens up an opportunity to hear from Kevin Pritchard, Rick Carlisle, and then pretty much any player that gets interviewed. So I enjoy hearing what they have to say, what they've been up to. But first things first, Fachi, Bankers Live Fieldhouse is no more. I introduced to you Gainbridge Fieldhouse. It's going to get, I'm going to have to get used to saying that. It's a very different name. I don't know much about this company, Gainbridge, but Hey, it's uh, always cool to see a new name on the field house, and hopefully fans can get used to it. Yeah, it's going to take some time. You're not alone. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I don't know. It's going to take a moment. <laughs> Something about Baker's Life Fieldhouse, it just kind of felt like it grew on you for a little bit. Pacers Fab Fieldhouse, 
at the end of their last few names, but Gainbridge, I don't know. I wasn't familiar with, with the company. It, it wasn't one that seemed like such a major, major brand, but at the same point, hey, I guarantee a year or two from now, you know, it'll just feel normal. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. It definitely will feel real once we get used to it, but it does feel like a bit of a tongue twister. I was telling you before we got on, I got a, a notification on Facebook memories about a year ago when we posted a podcast. Um, it was on a Sunday afternoon. I was with Kent Sterling. And we were talking about coaching candidates for the vacancy when Nate McMillan was fired. And we were talking about Nate Bjorkren. He had been the only name that had been mentioned by Nick Nurse. It was kind of the big news at the time. And there was four other candidates that Brian Winhorse had thrown out on the jump. And so we were all excited to say, who could this be? And I was like, man, I, I'm kind of intrigued by Nate Bjorkin. I was like laughing at myself listening back to it because I was so perplexed and so dumbfounded when I was like, that's how we pronounce his name whenever he was announced as the head coach. So really funny to go back and listen. But Gainbridge is a little bit easier to enunciate. But I think Gainbridge and Fieldhouse together, it's a little bit of a tongue twister, especially if you talk fast like myself. No, that it is. But yeah, Bjorkren, I mean, I, it, it feels more natural to say now, but at the time I remember having to go on YouTube, try and find any interview I could with him so I could hear someone else say the name. But yeah. Alex, I think I'd almost want to go back and almost not delete all those episodes, but any praise that we gave Bjorkren as we were excited was, would be cringeworthy to listen back to knowing how it ended up a year later. Well, it's a good thing for Nate Bjorkman that he did not get to experience the media day today like this Pacers team did, because if that would have happened last year, you know, there would have been a lot of great quotes that people would have been running with. So feel bad for the guy from what I've heard. When I had Jay Michael on last Thursday, he wasn't really sure where he was at. There was a fan that messaged me and said they had a friend in Toronto that said he's just kind of laying low right now, doesn't want to become an assistant coach right away because he wants to be viewed as more than that. Not really sure when the next head coaching job is going to be open for him, but it might not be in the NBA. He might have to look in the college ranks to do it. But, Fachi, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will hit on all things media day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Fachi, we are back. Media Day, lots of interviews. We've talked about it in the first segment, but now we're going to look at some of the things these players said. So you were listening all day long to all these quotes. I didn't have a chance to do it. So you sent me a list of all the quotes that I missed and quite a, quite a few interesting things here, but I'll let you start out where you feel like it's the most important to talk about. Sure. I, I mean, I guess we might as well start from Rick Carlisle, the, the, man, uh, the man at the front of the bench. Uh, Rick mm-hmm. loves where this team is at age-wise, feels that this is a young veteran team, and what that means is basically the only two guys that are in their 30s are Torrey Craig and Justin Holiday. But also what I found very interesting, Alex, was the praise that Rick Carlisle had for the rookies. I could not believe this is a guy that is known to not really play rookies, and the way that he was talking about Isaiah Jackson, Alex, you would think that we had either a top five pick or a new franchise guy coming in. But he was talking about um, Isaiah's defensive versatility being absolutely breathtaking and that the way that he's able to switch on on guards was, was something that he has not seen before. It was, quote, the most versatile young defender that he's ever seen in this league I could not believe my ears because even just a couple weeks ago, we didn't even know if if Isaiah Jackson was going to be able to log minutes this year. And then with Carlisle praising him this much, it would be impossible to not see Isaiah Jackson in the lineup. Yeah, so if you reference the conversation I had with Jay Michael last week, one of the things he brought up was just this the, the belief from the organization in both Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte. They believe they're the future. They believe they hit on two starting level players. So with that being said, I'm not at all surprised by the praise from Rick Carlisle. What I was most surprised, though, by was how he mentioned that he's going to get a chance in the rotation. Nobody really expected that because at this point in time, no T.J. Warren opens up a spot, but you still have Goga Batadze, O'Shea Brissett, Torrey Craig, all guys that you thought would probably get some time at the four or the five in front of Isaiah Jackson. We we had no inclination that Isaiah Jackson would be getting an opportunity to play in the rotation, but we'll see what happens after preseason. But I really think there's an opportunity there for Isaiah Jackson to maybe leapfrog Goga Batadze in the rotation, play some backup five minutes, and then see how they stagger those bigs or possibly take some minutes from O'Shea Brissett. And I know some fans who really enjoy the O'Shea Brissett experience last year might be upset if you believe Isaiah Jackson is a future starter, no offense to, uh, no offense to O'Shea Brissett, but he's on a non-guaranteed contract. He's a young player. He's going to have to earn it. At this point, I think the franchise is more invested in the long-term future of Isaiah Jackson than the current uh, the current uh, basketball player that is O'Shea Brissett. Absolutely. Look, I love O'Shea just as much as the next guy, but Isaiah Jackson has a very high ceiling here. Carlos said, quote, he will be a huge part of the initial rotate, rotation, stating that his defense keeps him on the floor as a rookie. Also mentions that from a shooting standpoint, it's ahead of where he thought he would be. And then also adding that 
Jackson could allow the Pacers to play a bit smaller if he is the backup center, but can also allow him to share the floor with a Sabonis or Turner as the forward. Um, Jackson is an uber-athletic forward and versatile defender, an area the Pacers need a ton of help with. So I thought that those were some great quotes right there. And that mentioning while TJ Warren is out, that Jack that mentioned that Jackson could play some four. I mean, that's something that to hear that off the bat is was really, you know, unexpected, but also got to throw in. He did have some great praise for Chris Duarte. He said Duarte is a two-way wing that is NBA ready and will be a crucial component off the bench. You and I spoke offline, thought that was very telling because we were wondering who could potentially slide into the starting lineup with TJ Warren out. Well, it doesn't look like it's going to be Duarte, at least initially. Yeah, I mean, based on that comment, we're not really sure. Now, could he be saying that, thinking that TJ Warren is the starting small forward and trying not to ruffle any feathers there? That's the only, you know, devil's advocate you can throw out there in that conversation because at this point, you have to figure it's either going to be Duarte, Justin Holiday, Tory Craig, or there's a slim chance it could be Jeremy Lamb if they just want to get him some minutes and keep that second unit intact before TJ Warren returns. So I think there's some things to look at there, Fachi. But with that being said, everything that you kept saying when you were reading the quotes about Isaiah Jackson, you mentioned shooting once, but everything else led back to defense. Defense, defense, defense. And if there's one thing that I felt O'Shea Brissett struggled with last year was the defensive side of the ball. Gogo Batadze, Kevin Pritchard actually had some nice comments on him saying, you know, we like that he's got a decent shot, but won't be more of a shot creator, that kind of thing. I think that Goga is going to be the odd man out here, and I'm not sure why I feel that way, but after hearing all the praise for Sabonis and Turner and Isaiah Jackson, it just feels like Goga's just probably not going to get a great opportunity here to crack the rotation. We'll see how things play out in preseason, and we'll see how Isaiah Jackson does going up against Goga in training camp, but a lot of interesting things there, Fachi. I think these rookies are the talk of training camp so far in the first day of media day. But is there anything else aside from the rookies that you wanted to get into? Yeah, well, well while we're on the Goga subject real quick, um, you know, I didn't really hear a lot of high praise for Goga. I mean, they complimented his shot blocking, but they did mention they want to see more from a shot-making standpoint. But, you know, I did notice he looked a little bit slimmer. He looked in good shape, which was nice to see. But we have to see it on the court. And that's something that we haven't been able to see enough of. So for Goga right now, yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like Isaiah Jackson is uh, the hot new commodity over there that, that people are talking about. And I thought Miles Turner backed that up. Miles mentioned, you know, he, he basically said that um, Isaiah has a lot more that he hasn't been able to show so far in games that that he's going to be able to show. So, you know, Miles seems like he's a great supporter of him. I mean, Miles always says the right things and is like a class act. So it sounds like he's someone who's there to be kind of a mentor to him. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I think that one name that you brought up that is um, very interesting to touch on is going to be a major talk for the next few weeks is TJ Warren. Now, TJ Warren, we got to hear from a man of few words. I mean, when Pat Bowen and Mark Boyle were asking him questions, you're getting short responses, but I wouldn't expect anything else from TJ Warren. But he said, everything is going well. You just need to be patient. Now, he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks, which I'm not going to lie, has me a bit worried because that presses him right at the start of the season where it's inevitable he's going to miss some time. But they basically said they're hoping that it's weeks, 
not months. So there's still not really a definite timetable, but it, it, there will not be another evaluation for three more weeks. I would rather just bring back TJ Warren slowly and not push things. If they have an opportunity here to get some other guys, some more minutes, see what they have at this core, that would be more enticing to me than rushing back TJ Warren from this injury. Look, I think Pritchard mentioned it, said this is a very difficult injury to diagnose. TJ's just being very cautious with it. He wants to get back out there and play. He wants to be impactful when he gets out there and plays. So there's no need to rush. I mean, we're starting an 82-game season for the first time in the last two years. So barring another pandemic or something crazy happening, we're going to have an 82-game season starting in October, ending in April like we've always seen. So I'm not worried about him coming back right away. If he's able to come back, let's say I believe in December we play like 10 out of uh, 13 games at home, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. So quite a few home games there. Let him ease his way back in on uh, at the home stretch right there. No road games. That way he's able to rehab there at the facility if something happens. Don't play him on back-to-backs. I mean, really, we think T.J. Warren could be the wild card for this team. But right now, I'm a little bit skeptical because we know how guys are when they come back from injuries. It takes them a while to get their legs under them and be that player once again. So come playoff time, he could be that. But I wouldn't expect anything significant from him to start off when he returns. And that's going to allow opportunities, like we said earlier, for Duarte and possibly Isaiah Jackson. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the luxury of this Pacers team is the depth. I mean, we talked about it before that, yes, I know we don't have, you know, those A-plus players, but Pacers have four players ranked inside the top 100, uh, you know, from the, the recent rankings that we saw, which shows that they have a lot of pretty good players. And I think that Look, if you're going to look at it from a glass half full approach, which is the only way you can do it as a Pacer fan, if you're with that glass half empty approach, it's going to be a long season. But here's the thing. TJ Warren, he's still in a walking boot. I don't see this guy being ready to play anytime near, you know, game one. I think you got to take it easy on him and allow guys like Torrey Craig to be able to, you know, get some extended minutes. Chris Duarte allowed him to get some extended minutes. Jeremy Lamb, I mean, he's going to have an opportunity over here. And speaking about Jeremy Lamb, Lamb said the sky's the limit. This team has defenders. They have rebounders. They have shooters. They have the post game, but also said it's if we can stay healthy. And that's what comes with being able to, not to say baby TJ Warren, but bring him along slowly. He's that important to this team that we don't need him to, to be out there, you know, from game one. He's not. Uh, Giannis, he's not LeBron James. It's it, we can win some games without him. We're not going to be able to, you know, go far in the season without him. But we, we can weather the storm. So Jeremy Lamb said that he's back to a hundred percent. But one quote that was very telling was that he mentioned he was really nervous last year to get in the paint. His injury really affected his rebounding because he was nervous that bodies were going to be flying around. This is another guy that we're bringing in there who's healthy this time and. To tell you the truth, this injury from Warren, it's at least enabling us to, to say, hey, Jeremy Lamb, you know what? If there's anything left over here, we're going to be able to see it. And I, I think that he could end up being, it could end up helping to improve his value. But also, we need bodies right now. And I think at this point, we're lucky to have Jeremy Lamb back at 100%. Yeah, well, let's see if he really is at 100%. Like, he might be 100% mentally, which yeah. is great. And he might be 100% in terms of, what he's able to do, but can he actually do it? Because 
a couple of years ago, before we got the injury, we were kind of disappointed, I would say, with how things are turning out with him. Like there was games where he showed up and you were like, wow, I really like him. But then there was other times with McMillan, like when he was starting, like you just didn't feel like it was the right starting five without Oladipo and him playing that shooting guard position. That was what the starting five was projected to be because he was the best option at the time. But sometimes the best options, talent-wise, don't always fit with the core that's there. So I like Jeremy Lamb to an extent where I think he can be a role player off the bench. I'm not expecting anything from him. So I think all expectations for Jeremy Lamb, they're going to be raised. I'm not, They're going to be lowered, excuse me, this year. But all results we're going to be excited for because we're not anticipating him being anything more than just a guy that's on the roster. So I, I think if he can contribute at all, Pacer fans will be excited for him and happy for him because while he's here, we want to see him do well. I mean, even if he leaves the Pacers, yes, we still want him to do well. But what I'm trying to say is I don't want him cutting into the opportunity of other guys that I feel like are long-term part of the future. I don't think he will do that, but I understand why he might crack that spot early on with Carlisle, just trying to win games, trying to establish that culture and figure out a way to go about it. But one of the things that I don't know if you said it already, but I thought it was great from one of the quotes you gave out there was Pat Boyle and Mark Boyle just talking about the countless injuries. And while they said they were both okay with running it back, you know, this, this core needs to figure out if they can truly compete and not just be a tough out. And that's the one thing that fans have been frustrated with. Pritchard's honesty, calling them a tough out. Um, he's not saying we're a championship contender or a deep playoff contender. He's called them a tough out a few different times this past off season. And so I don't necessarily like hearing him say that, but at the end of the day, I am glad that he's being honest and not selling us on false hope. That's true. But man, a tough out, it's really just become like a <laughs> quote. It's like a, almost like a backhanded compliment of like, yeah, you're good. You're just not that good. You know? So it just feels like I don't want to be that we want to be more than just a tough out, but yeah, this team, they're one injury away from saying we cannot run it back anymore because it's time and time we're waiting and waiting and guys are becoming young. They go, they're going from young to young veterans. I mean, that's what's happening right now. And it's just, uh, it's, it's at the point where this is the year that tells all. So a lot needs to be determined. Um, but just to talk about Kevin Pritchard real quick, Kevin Pritchard had a really Really interesting quote, and it goes back to Isaiah Jackson. He's got really, really high hopes for Isaiah Jackson. Says he might be the most athletic pacer since Paul George. Now, when I heard that, I wanted to temper my expectations a bit because I remember when Larry Bird came out and said Miles Turner could go down as the best pacer of all time. And I remember being like, whoa, that's a powerful quote. So when you start to, when Pritchard put that quote onto Isaiah Jackson, it felt like a rocket ship on his back as like, oh man, what's going to happen? And I still want to have those expectations of being very low for Isaiah Jackson so he can overcome them and, and just be able to move at his own pace. So what's your thoughts on Pritchard really, you know, laying it all down on Isaiah Jackson? Well, it's kind of a bad thing because what I first thought was, wow, we've been a really unathletic team for a long time. <laughs> because if you think about it, while Paul George was here, who was the most athletic guy to play with him during that time frame? Glenn Robinson III, maybe? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's like the Pacers have not done a good job 
of getting those pure hybrid athletes. Like Cassius Stanley, we, we were joking about it last year. He was picked with the 54th overall pick, got a two-way contract last year with the Pacers, and then now he's on Detroit's uh, training camp roster with probably not a chance to make the roster since they already signed both their two-way guys. He'll probably play for their G League affiliate. So he was the most athletic guy last year on the Pacers roster. He was in the slam dunk contest. Chad Buchanan brought him up and said, we need to get more athletics. So that's why we brought in Cassius Stanley. And, and what do they do? They go out and get rid of him. So looking at this team to athletic wise, I really don't even know who number two is. It might even be Chris Duarte. I, I, I seriously have no idea. I know we talk about Miles Turner is probably the second most athletic guy, but like, there's some things that I feel like Miles is not that like super athletic about. I've never once imagined him as a lob threat kind of guy. So maybe if he's going to work on that and become that player, sure, then let's call him that athletic type of player. But I've never really seen that from him. But at the end of the day, we've got a lot of good skilled players, but that athleticism is something that you just can't teach. It's just a gift. And Isaiah Jackson having it is going to make this team more fun. But like, I, like you said, the expectations kind of are getting a little bit ridiculous right now with all the high praise for him. So I don't want fans to be disappointed if he goes through like this rough spot throughout the season as he's learning the game and people are like, oh, he's trash. Like, I hate when fans do that when they're watching a rookie play because look, what is he, 19 years old, had one year at Kentucky in the middle of a pandemic. So mm -hmm. let's give him some time to grow into the player the Pacers believe he can become. It might happen this year if everything goes well, but at the end of the day, it could be in two to three years once he's gotten more experience, more reps, and learned how to play the NBA style of game. So I, I love that Kevin Pritchard's high on him, but what else are they going to say right now? I mean, they've been high on every single draft pick they've had, yep. and what have they become? Well, we don't even have anybody <laughs> that we drafted outside of Goga, who's not and, even in the rotation. And if you don't believe that, you can listen to our recent episode – uh, pointing out the top 10 picks in Pacers, you know, <laughs> history over the last 20 years. Yeah. That was a scary list, Alex. So I'm hoping that this is, this is different. Isaiah yeah. Jackson and Chris Duarte. Look, you can call me crazy, but I had them on that top 10 list because I felt like it's inevitable. These guys, they feel different than the past picks. I mean, look, when you're putting those guys up against Cassius Stanley being picked like 54th in last year's draft, we didn't have a first round pick. It's easy to get overly excited because these guys feel like true rotation players, but yeah, the, the praise from Pritchard and Carlisle. I mean, Whoa, I, we don't know what Isaiah Jackson is doing behind closed doors, but he must be turning heads left and right to get this kind of praise. When the knock on Carlisle, one of my best friends is a Dallas Mavericks fan. And right when we picked Chris Duarte, he said, yeah, good luck getting him on the court this year, 24-year-old who won't even play. Nice. That's what Carlisle does, doesn't play rookies. Well, you know what? We might be having the last laugh because it looks like Duarte and Isaiah Jackson are going to be in the rotation. And that's just another reason to be excited about this season coming up. Yeah, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will finish our conversation talking about everything we took away from Media Day. We'll be right back after this. Okay, Fachi, we are back, and we are going to wrap this podcast up by giving our final thoughts on Pacers Media Day. So where do you want to go next? Uh, I would say Malcolm Brogdon. You know, Brogdon had uh, an interesting quote. He basically said he wants to lead more and lead better. And he started by saying how he organized some dinners and pick a ball, which he said that, you know, 
not many other teams are doing. We sure we've heard of some teams doing that. I think that's always the first step though. It's the first step in saying, let's get, let's get back to basketball a little bit earlier. And then he mentioned that he wants to plan more dinners during the season. Now I know the Pacers were really unable to do that uh, last year due to COVID and all that, but it, teams that stick together, laugh together, enjoy it more, they tend to play a little bit better on the court. And I feel like this Pacers team was not all together last year. I mean, even Justin Holiday mentioned how, you know, he's usually a, a pretty uh, happy-go-lucky guy and he was really frustrated last year. And I think a lot of players were. So I think they're taking that frustration, bottling it up and, and looking to build on it. And uh, to, to stick with Brogdon real quick, I thought this was interesting. Say, Brogdon said he anticipates him and Karis LeVert to be one of the best bat- backcourts in the league on both sides of the ball. Now that might sound like some wishful thinking, but I'm here for it, Alex. Yeah, well, I want to jump back into your first part, talking about him being that leader type of guy, organize some dinners. You know, he did that with getting the guys together in the summer. Obviously not everybody can make it, but he's coming around a little bit, in my opinion. And I think what we're seeing here is Kevin Pritchard's open acknowledgement of not having a leader and saying, I need someone on this team to step up. I think Brogdon kind of felt convicted for proclaiming he was the president when he got here. He's a he's the leader of this team. And all of a sudden, everybody started turning on him. Fans are turning on him. Fans are done with him. I mean, I got fans in my DMs ready to just let Malcolm Brogdon have an earful. And I've read some of those messages to you, and we laughed off air because it's just like, man, I've never felt so much hate against a guy when it comes to a basketball player just for him not being the leader that he – you know, acts like he is or portrays to be based on his comments. So for me, Malcolm Brogdon, it's like, this is a guy that we don't necessarily love him as our true point guard, but we do think he's a good basketball player. We think that Brogdon has a lot of good capabilities to help this team be more than a tough out, be a competitive basketball team. As Pritchard said, a team that nobody wants to face. So Brogdon has got to step up to this challenge of being a leader. if That's what he feels like he's called to do because Quite frankly, I don't think Sabonis is that kind of guy. I think Sabonis is just a come to work, do your job, go home. I think Lavert is kind of similar in that same way. I think Turner likes to be a little bit of a vocal leader. I think he's more of a leader on the defensive side of things. But offensively, he doesn't really get that opportunity with his role. But Brogdon has a say because he is that connecting point from the coach and what's going on on the floor. So he's got to step up and be a leader, but not just on the court, off the court. We know T.J. McConnell will be in that same boat as well. So I think those two guys together can really orchestrate some great leadership there. But this is the year they got to prove it, Botch, because if they don't do it this year, then I think that you got to look in the mirror and say, hey, maybe that's just not what I'm meant to be. Or maybe this team has, you know, I've, I've fallen on deaf ears at this point. So with that being said, going to your next point, talking about him and Karras being one of the best backwards on both sides of the ball. That is interesting because Karis LeVert is not known for his defense, right? Yep. Brogdon is known for being a good defender, but not guarding the Trey Youngs, the Kimball Walkers, those smaller Speedy point guards. Right. You know? We've talked about this for the last couple of years. It's like, you know, we're just constantly saying the same thing over and over, but that's how it is. So I think Brogdon with a better team scheme, defensive team scheme, we could do a little bit better. But at the end of the day, Let's see it, guys. I'm not buying into it just because you said it, but we had a lot of high hopes for what him and Oladipo could be, and that didn't really turn out. So now with a full season, 
hopefully under both of their belts this upcoming year. We'll see by next year's playoffs how good that duo can be together because I think a lot of questions are going to have to be answered this season based on how they move forward with this roster. Absolutely. And, and briefly, you mentioned TJ McConnell. Well, I thought it was interesting. McConnell took us into a glimpse inside of how free agency went. And he mentioned that, you know, from the very beginning, a return to Indiana was mutual on both sides. However, he did have some other options, but returning to the Pacers outweighed those options, and he was happy to get it done ASAP. And I thought that was great. I mean, you always you want guys that want to be here. And it made me flash back to a couple of years ago when the Pacers signed McConnell. I remember you and I were like, TJ McConnell, where is he even going to fit in? Like <laughs> third string point guard, probably not going to play too much. Hmm, I guess he'll just mentor Aaron Holiday. Well, you know what? You fast forward a couple of years ago and McConnell was the big free agent signing this year for the Pacers. I mean, bringing him back was the big deal. I mean, they, they elected to bring him back over Doug McDermott and you know, McConnell is someone who has a great presence on this Pacers team. So I'm very excited to, to see McConnell back. And I think another thing that we got to touch on, well, Carlisle talked about the bigs. He said he feels Turner and Sabonis can play effectively together. However, there may also be a formula that's different from today's five out. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. Does it mean someone could come off the bench? Are they going to start? play you know and then you know maybe you bring one of them off the bench like that we don't know how it's going to shake out but we at least know that Carlisle wants to make it work and coming into this year I think at this point hey it's it, the Pacers have to make it work no they definitely have to I you go back to McConnell it's just funny because at this point it's just like wow this guy got paid more than we expected. Right. Oh yeah. So we were just like, man, what, I mean, what is this guy going to become? I was like, please don't take away minutes from Aaron holiday. Uh, now I'm glad we have him because he showed last year why he can be that leader. But I found it interesting. You haven't had a chance to listen to my interview with Jay Michael yet, but Jay brought up the fact that he's not so sure that McConnell is a Carlisle guy. Well, a lot of us thought that JJ Berea comparison was a real thing. Jay kind of made it sound like bringing back McConnell was more of a front office thing and not really a Carlisle thing. So it's not that Carlisle dislikes McConnell. It's just that's not his ideal point guard position or, or not his ideal backup point guard that he wants in terms of skill set. So we've heard a lot in the offseason about McConnell knocking down that three-point shot, working on that with his father. I'm sure you remember Chris Denary bringing that up yep. on our podcast. Mm -hmm. So if McConnell really wants to reach that level, of a backup point guard and, and really fall in favor with Carlisle, which I think he will. I don't think it's going to take too long for Carlisle to fall in love with him. But if he can knock down the three at a consistent rate, then he's going to be more playable. The only thing I worry about with McConnell is come playoff time if he's too small because he's already got that problem before. We saw it against Miami. They just bullied him when it came to size versus size. You know, I like this bench a little bit but I'm still worried because we don't have that third string point guard and we could maybe say what are they going to do with that final spot on the roster are they going to cut Keelan Martin keep Kiefer Sykes or maybe bring in Dejan Giroux and convert somebody else to a two-way player who knows but they're going to have to figure this out because one you can't trust Brogdon with injuries and two McConnell's had a fair share of injuries himself over the last couple of years and it just it's just if he's not playing the way Carlisle wants him to play then you might need to have some insurance there and I just I, I root really hard for McConnell because I think he might be the most like pacer on the roster. 
I think he is. I, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point. I mean, he's just someone who you love someone that always, you know, rolls up the sleeves, you know, metaphorically, obviously these are sleeveless jerseys, but and goes to work. I mean, just someone who's willing to grind, work hard. And I feel like that's what TJ McConnell has done. And he's had an infectious personality in a great way, not infectious in terms of, Hey, I'm going to bring this whole place down. But uh, you know, I, I think he's spread positivity and, uh, it, it reminds me of a quote that Brogdon said where he said there was a little more going on in the, in the locker room last season, but we've moved on and we're looking forward. Now, look, we noticed things got out in the media last year, and that typically did not happen for the Pacers. But it just shows that there was a lot going on behind closed doors. And I think that these players are ready to go back and not to say have fun, but really compete together. And winning is fun. I mean, losing is not fun for anyone. No. So if you if you can get back to being competitive, I think at that point, the Pacers, it's going to translate on the court. And for that, I'm very excited to see. And it kind of brings me into, uh, I know I'm being very talkative over here, but Miles right. Turner, when you mentioned he spoke about his recovery, being able to you know stay healthy, get on the court, he said it took him three to four months to recover. Now we've seen Turner change his body a couple of times, but he looks to be in very good shape right now said he's more capable of being a two-way player, but it's not for the stats. It's for the personal goals. It's not for the personal goals. It's for what helps this team win. And that's the kind of mentality you have to have players buying into. No, it definitely is. I, I think this is a good year for Miles Turner to become what we all believe he can become. I, I think that that's been the problem with Turner and the frustration fans have is just maybe one, the lack of opportunity, but two, the inability for him to just grab the bull by the horns and do what he says he can do. We've seen him block shots on defense, but offensively he's been so limited. So I want to see Turner develop into a guy that just is more is more selfish, a guy kind of like Sabonis, like a guy that when, he, when Sabonis is out there, he's going for every rebound. He don't care who's in his way. Turner can be a little bit passive and say, well, Sabonis is going for it. I'm going to let him get it. No, there's times where Turner he could get more rebounds if he really was more aggressive at doing so. So I think splitting up their minutes, you're going to see him be more aggressive because when Sabonis was out in the playoffs a couple of years ago, we saw Turner be a little bit more aggressive on the boards. It's still not his strength, but I think that Turner, this is the year, year seven for him is a year that he's going to have to start showing to people why he is a long-term possibility with this roster. We've talked about it the last couple of years thinking he might be the guy that's traded. We we know about the Hayward stuff. We know about some of the stuff that came out rumor-wise this year, but nothing has materialized into a significant trade. So Turner is here. Turner loves Indiana. But at the end of the day, like you said, there was an article out on 8.9 seconds talking about Sabonis is not that guy. What I will say is nobody on this Pacers roster is that guy. They should not be building around one player on this roster because this roster is not – got an A-level player on it. They, they don't have a Giannis. They don't have a LeBron. They don't have an Anthony Davis. None of those kind of players. They've got a lot of really good players that would be second to third options if we had a legitimate star here. So they're going to have to win by committee. Losing absolutely is the worst thing ever, especially when you're playing sports. I would rather – I mean, I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. I think Chris Paul has said that before, but I 100% echo those sentiments because – I can't stand to lose when I play sports. I mean, it's nice to win, but I hate losing more than I like winning. It's really true. And I think that that competitive edge has to get these guys fired up to try and prove to the Eastern Conference, hey, this is a loaded Eastern Conference, but we're not, we're not here to mess around. We're going to be a team that's going to be 
you know, tough to handle. Absolutely. And I guess that leaves me uh, to touch on my last part, Karis LeVert, who I feel like we haven't touched on too much. You know, basically talked about that, you know, they just have to put in the work. They have the personnel to be a great defensive team, which I feel like they do. I mean, they, I think they at least be able to get back to being a very uh, respectable defensive team. I know some of the guys they brought in in terms of the rookies are younger guys, but, you know, by, by bringing in Tory Craig and by, you know, being able to at least, you know, bring back a healthy Miles Turner, you're able to commit more defensively than you were before. But Levert talked about how he had a great offseason, being able to work on getting his conditioning back. I mean, think about how much of a challenge it was for him. First of all, it's remarkable that he's even all right after they detected cancer. Then it's even more remarkable that he was able to be back on the court in about two months. So, you know, there's a lot of hurdles that he overcame, and now it just feels like he's finally healthy, ready to go, and coming off of what some could deem a career year. So I think the Pacers have a lot that you can be excited about this year between the rookies, players like TJ Warren coming back, getting Miles Turner back, getting a full season from Karis LeVert. Guys, I'm telling you, I know we're thinking, hey, we've been down this road before, seen that, done that. I, I, I think it's going to be a very fun year getting this core back together. Well, we got to see this core together because we haven't had a chance to see it with Karis LeVert in the mix. Now, Really, we haven't got a great chance to see it all together, especially against some of the better competition in the Eastern Conference. But Karis LeVert is a guy that he's just had a really rough career in terms of injuries. And so you're hoping that this year he's finally able to break through that because when he's been able to be on the court, we've seen how good he can be on that offensive end of the ball. I mean, he is a legit scorer. He's a good playmaker. I think his playmaking was a little bit overhyped before he got here, but I, I still think he can do it at times. I'm I'm a big Karis LeVert believer. I believe he could be the face of the franchise um, with this current core. He's a little bit more outspoken than Sabonis. I think he's a guy that you're going to look at to maybe hit some game-winning shots as well. So, I mean, he could become the face of the franchise, taking Oladipo's spot. <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but it's kind of what he did. Taking that spot, I mean, that responsibility is going to come with it in, to some degree, but LeVert crazy season last year everything that he went through the way that the season finished for him missing missing the play-in games because of COVID just just a tough break for the guy you just feel so terrible for him but I'm hoping with Carlisle that Carlisle I think when we talked about it we asked I asked you which player do you think benefits the most from this hiring of Rick Carlisle you said Karis LeVert I did and you know I I said TJ Warren but TJ Warren's got to be able to play so Karis LeVert's healthy like we think he is and we know he is Using him correctly, Rick Carlisle could just elevate his game and put him in spots to really dominate and be successful at what he does. So he's not going to be Luka Doncic. We know that. They're not going to utilize him like he utilized Luka Doncic. There might be a couple of sets that he runs him in that Luka position, but he's not going to get the usage that Luka got. I think you're going to see a very well-balanced usage. I think you're going to see a more balanced playing time with this with this group because of the depth of this team and the belief that Carlisle has in this team. But at the end of the day, Karis LeVert, I just want him to grow and become a great player, get better at what he does already so we can rely on him to hopefully be a long-term starter for this team and not just a guy that's here for a few years and then we move on from because I'm kind of getting tired of that. I think if you look back, Fachi, I could be wrong, so correct me if I am, but if you look at the 2017-2018 roster that made the playoffs, I think Sumner – Turner and Sabonis are the only three remaining guys from that team. It's true. And even Sumner wasn't getting any minutes. He was just on the team. So, right. you know, I mean, hey, 
Time, it's flying real fast. The uh, huge roster turnover right there. So it just feels like you want to find someone that could stick around. And uh, I'm looking at it right now. 2017, Edmund Sumner played one game. He got in <laughs> one game, two minutes and 10 seconds. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just two players because we won't see Sumner on the court this year. But, yeah, it definitely still counts. But, man, I just want to see this, these guys stick around. And, and the Pacers, they have that opportunity. But there's the other side of the fence where everyone's pretty much on roughly two-year deals. I know TJ Warren expires after this year. So if things don't go well this year, it could be the opposite. But we just got to hope for the best. And uh, if we could stay healthy, hey, I, I think we would all be enjoying that. All right, Fachi. Well, I think that we have covered pretty much everything for Media Day. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Nope, just uh, get, get ready, folks, because basketball is right around the corner and one of the best times of the year, and I could not be more excited to see the boys back on the court. Absolutely, Fachi. So as we wrap things up, can you let the people know where they can find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace, and you could find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if your media day went better than the Washington Wizards media day, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Oh, we got some smother chicken on that one! Smother chicken!